What did we learn from Jackson Arnold's first start? We'll discuss it more here on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Happy New Year and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the KRF Sports app. And Josh, the Jackson Arnold first start didn't go according to plan right out of the gate. Uh, that first quarter was pretty rough, but turned some things around. Second and th- third quarter looked pretty good. And then the fourth quarter again was not the way you'd want to finish that game. So I got a great opportunity to kind of talk in depth about this on our last show to end the 2023 year. But Josh, give me your thoughts on what you made of Jackson Ar- Jackson Arnold's start. Well, I think obviously this is going to be a little bit of a work in progress, which Probably we should have had that expectation going in. But uh, I think more than anything, I, I thought uh, there was plenty of good, plenty of good to build upon. The 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 deep shot touchdown was nice. The mobility, which uh, we thought Jackson Arnold would bring to the table, was was nice. I actually thought that was one of the, the negatives late, was that Jackson Arnold didn't use his feet enough. Once, uh, once it got into some longer downs and distances, I think he got into the habit of, okay, uh, hold it, hold it, hold it, and let's see if something breaks up and downfield. Just use your athleticism. Even if there's a spy out there on you, you're Jackson Arnold. You've got the feet to make somebody miss for uh, a reason. So I thought that was a little bit of uh, the the rookie quarterbacking that we saw there. But I just by and large, I would uh, evaluate it as much more positive than negative. The turnovers, okay, uh, you know, you got to clean those up, obviously, John. But it was sort of what we expected to see some flashes of the five-star signee and unfortunately some, okay, it's not totally polished yet. Yeah. If you, if you look at the turnovers, I really think that three of the four you could consider as bad and maybe even only just two of the four. I felt like the first interception where the safety breaks down from his, you know, single high safety look and just blows through Drake Stoops to make the play on the ball. I thought that was just a really nice play on the safety. It, Drake Stoops continues to run. Maybe it break, he breaks that up. I, I don't know. The The second one, he was just way late. That was a terrible throw at that time. I mean, it was a good throw, but it was just really way too late. Uh, the third interception, I think he just missed the guy, like missed the dude that was a lot, a line, along the line of scrimmage, dropping back into that you know, to take away that RPO look, uh, just missed him. I think it was just a misread there. And then obviously the fumble, you, you got to eat the ball there when the, when the pressure is just so tight, sometimes you just got to eat the ball and take a sack and taking a sack is way better than losing the ball on the fumble. So, you know, yeah, there were four turnovers by Jackson Arnold in that game, but I really felt like only two were, were kind of egregious. The, the one being the throw to Drake Stoops 
in the the cover two area and then the fumble i thought were just really bad but other than that the the two the other two interceptions i felt like were more just really really good plays by the uh the defense the arizona defense in that game but i mean got a lot got a lot of good you know you look at the way that they managed the offense the way he ran the offense and for the most part was really really successful in the rpo game he he made a lot of really good decisions in that one when you're giving the quarterback the ball in the rpo game so much of the of the offense depends on his decision making when to when to give it away when to keep it and and knowing what throw to make being able to read the linebacker read the safety i think maybe they got a little bit too reliant on the rpo and that's why Arizona was able to take advantage a little bit. But all in all, he showed some really, really promising things that you're like, okay, we've got a guy that's got a big arm. He's got good mobility. He's got pretty good accuracy. Clean up some of the turnovers. Learn to take care of the football a little bit better. Learn to know when to just pull it down and live to fight another day. You know, Learn to you know be a little bit more on time. I think some of those things are going to be things that he learns and continues to grow. I don't think many true freshmen are finished products when they take their first snaps in college football. I mean, we saw it from Spencer Rattler. We saw it from Jack, uh, Caleb Williams. We've seen it across the board. True freshmen can struggle from time to time, and that's not necessarily an indictment on who they are as players long-term, but there are things that he's got to go into this offseason and he's got to work on. And I think knowing what we know about the kid, He's got the mentality to do that. He's got the, men, the right attitude, the right mentality to go into this offseason, continue to review the tape, continue to improve his game. And I think when we get to the 2024 season, nine months from now, we're going to have a, a more polished Jackson Arnold, but still not yet the finished product, but a guy that's going to learn from some of the things that he didn't do well against Arizona and also learn from the things that he did do well because he did do a lot of things really well. Uh, the two throws that were touchdowns, the the first was absolutely looked like NFL player to NFL player touchdown to to Nick Anderson in that back corner of the end zone. Spectacular uh, job rolling, evading pressure, and hitting that corner end zone spot. And then obviously the catch was fantastic yeah. from Nick Anderson. And, and then the Brennan Thompson uh, sixty three yard touchdown pass. That was an element and explosive of this Oklahoma offense that all season folks were saying, okay, well, why why is there not that downfield explosive component in this offense? Uh, at times it was there, but not like that. That was a five-star signee showing you, I can throw this football for days. Brendan Thompson, you're not going to outrun me. And uh, it was right on time and on the money. So, again, uh, for a, a freshman making their first start, I wasn't shocked, John, to see a barrage of turnovers. It looked early, especially, that Jackson Arnold was was swimming through the thing, that uh, a lot was happening very quickly, and he wasn't really processing it. And then quarters two and three, as you touched on in the open, it, it slowed down. He started making the plays that you would expect him to make. And then, obviously, uh, one too many mistakes late that simply are going to have to get cleaned up. And I guess the, the question is now, how much of a jump can Seth Luttrell, Joe John Finley, and just Oklahoma offensively, collectively, how big of a jump can Jackson Arnold and that group together make from now until we kick off uh, 2024, until you really welcome in another five-star freshman that was pretty impressive uh, against Iowa in their bowl game in uh, Nico 
Iyama Leava, who looked uh, like the five-star freshman uh, in his own right. So that's going to be a big test. We know everything that's going on with the SEC schedule is going to be a big test for Jackson Arnold. How much growth can happen from now until then? I would imagine a lot, and then there's going to probably be a little bit of trial by fire. The good thing, John, is the way this thing is now set up next season, if you can just navigate to where you lose one game, maybe two, you're probably going to find yourself in the 12-team playoff if you're playing good football late in the year. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be something that's going to be on the table for them as they enter you know, late October, early November. But again, so much depends on the jump that you just discussed. I think about, I think about Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel was good in 2022 had an off season where he really worked on his craft work on worked on some of the explosiveness that he had as a runner and was great in 2023 and gave Oklahoma a chance to, you know, obviously they won 10 games, had a chance to, you know, be playing meaningful football in December, but didn't quite get there. So I think the, the jump is possible. He's going to have to go to work. What else does Oklahoma need to do in the transfer portal? Where else do they need to go to work? We'll talk about that next here on Locked On Sooners, your team every day. Today's episode brought to us by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season wrapping up with week 18, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers, you could get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's a $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. So... Guaranteed $150 when you place your $5 bet. The app, we always say it, but uh, super easy to use. A wide range of betting options, such as live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and uh, you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and make your first bet a layup today. $5 bet, guaranteed $150 to new customers. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Again, thank you so much for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're excited to go into 2024 with you. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that like button and that notification bell over on YouTube to let you know when new episodes drop. The transfer portal is still active, still hot and heavy. The Oklahoma Sooners have been busy in the portal. They've added a couple offensive linemen. They've added a cornerback. They've added a tight end. They've added a wide receiver. Where else do they need to look for talent, Josh? What positions do you feel like Oklahoma has left uh, incomplete in their transfer portal targeting as we sit here on January 2nd? Well, they haven't left offensive line incomplete. They've they've obviously addressed it uh, with the additions of Spencer Brown and Fabechi Wiwoo, but I don't think they're done after what we saw uh, versus Arizona in this bowl game. As much as we can break down, Jackson Arnold made a mistake here or there, and that's to be expected from a freshman quarterback. Some of what happened was because of failures up front with the offensive line. We knew it was going to be a little bit makeshift, John. We knew there were some young players that it was going to be a, a work in progress, not just in that bowl game versus Arizona, but going forward. I just... I just wonder if you don't need one more veteran help you straight away guy out of the portal if you can go find it, given what we watched uh, in the Alamo Bowl versus Arizona. I just don't know that their work is done up front, John. No, I don't think so either. I was 
kind of one of those people that was more along the lines of, okay, you've added two guys that you think will probably start for you um, at along the offensive line, but okay. A lot of people made the argument on, on the locked on Sooners Twitter account that they needed to add one more player. And I'm kind of on board with that. If you want to add one more player that could potentially play guard for you and gives you a, a high floor, uh, while you try to work in maybe a Heath Ozida or one of your true freshmen and, and figure out, could one of these guys come in and start right away, then by all means, add the depth, make sure you've got some good security there, and then see what happens. Put all your eggs in the basket, see which ones come up, uh, You know, guys that are ready to start, and let Bill Biedemo work his magic like he does every offseason, either in the portal or with the recruiting ranks. And I, I mean... I know I've said this on a number of occasions. Don't expect the true freshman to come in and start right away. But given what we saw from Caden Green this past year, I'm kind of loosening that a little bit. But still, you don't want to create these high expectations. You want to be surprised, really. So I think offensive line is a place you could continue to see them add players. Tight end. I mean, yes, you got Devon Mitchell coming in. Yeah, you got uh, you know uh, Bauer, you know, coming in from southeastern Louisiana. But I think you could probably afford to add somebody that's a Blake Smith type or a Daniel Parker type, somebody that can come in, be the run blocking guy that does the dirty work for you. And you don't have to just put your true freshman out there right away to run block 40 times a game or 35 times a game. You can allow him to just do what he does best and go make athletic plays on the football, be in the passing game. If that's how you want to get him involved early on this season, I I think they could still afford to use one of those. And then obviously you're always looking for edge help. You're always looking for defensive line help. And there are a lot of interesting names out there in the portal, but it's just a matter of, are they going to be the right fits for the Oklahoma Sooners? Is the NIL price going to be right for the potential transfers? We'll see. I think you could still, you know, add some edge help losing Rondo Bothroyd, uh, you, you know, losing Marcus Stripling, losing Reggie Grimes, you could definitely use some depth, even though you feel really good about R. Mason Thomas and PJ Adeboare and Ethan Downs. I think that trio going into next year, you feel pretty solid about, but you'd like to add, you know, somebody that can offer some veteran depth at the position. If again, you're still kind of waiting on PJ to ascend into being a starter or R. Mason Thomas ascending to be a starter, it's good to have as much depth as possible. Yeah, and I like some of the young coverage guys that Oklahoma has coming up. Gentry Williams, we've, of course, talked a lot about because he's started and played a lot of football from for OU this past season. But uh, the the defensive backfield, as much as you love a guy like Billy Bowman, as excited as we, as we are, and rightfully so, about Peyton Bowen, John, Oklahoma, again, a, another year where they're just not good in pass defense for whatever reason. At times they were opportunistic, but 112th in passing yards allowed nationally, 250 uh, north of 250 yards allowed. I know that the the team sacks number probably played a part in that too. OU just wasn't good enough at getting uh, two opposing quarterbacks. I mean, how many times do we talk about Oklahoma's sack numbers not where we would want Oklahoma's sack numbers to be? So it's all connected a little bit, but – Long story short, I think OU would be – they could behoove themselves to go find maybe one more corner or one safety that they feel really good about or maybe one of each. 
I think you could always use defensive back help, especially as you lose Day McCullough to the transfer portal. That kind of hits your depth a little bit. So you're looking at you have Billy Bowman, Peyton Bowen, and Robert Spears Jennings as the only kind of guys on your roster that have been in the program and played significant ball for you at safety. Now, those three are pretty good. And I think Bowen, I think Billy Bowman, Bowen, and Robert Spears Jennings are all continuing to ascend and continuing to get better. And so you might see that group take a step and continue to prove that, hey, those three are going to be good enough for what you need. And you've got a nice incoming class of safeties in Jaden Hardy and Reggie Powers and Michael Patterson McDonald. But true freshman players. Now, if they can be the depth that you need, that's great, but you might need to add a key Lawrence type or, or a a Reggie Pearson type. Someone that again, gives you a nice veteran floor, someone who's played a lot of football and can play in a variety of roles for you. A little Swiss army knife at safety, never hurt anybody. Of course you are getting Justin Harrington back. So that potentially could, or I say you are more likely than not, you're getting Justin Harrington back. And so that could add to your safety numbers or he could end up again being a a rotational cheetah out there as well. Cornerback, a lot of it's going to depend on Woody Washington, what he decides to do. He could go off to the NFL and I think he's a draftable corner, no doubt. But I think there's a chance he could come back and improve on his draft stock as well. You know, get a, a year of tape against the SEC and just see what happens. I think you can always add defensive back help, even though you've got a lot of really nice young corners that you look forward to developing. Who knows if they're going to be ready to go in 2024? I think wide receiver, they're still stacked. I think running back looks really, really good. Uh, quarterback obviously is going to be really, really good. You know, with the with the departure of Davis Bevel in the portal, uh, presuming he does leave in the portal, he is in the portal. We haven't yet heard that he's gone for sure. Uh, he could still potentially return. I think a veteran quarterback might, it might behoove you to add somebody who's played some football, been around some programs and you know, Casey Thompson, that's a name that's out there. He's in the portal. That's a guy that could come in. If he doesn't think that he he's a starter somewhere, then why not be Oklahoma's backup to Jackson Arnold? I think that's a really nice veteran option, but I think otherwise you're pretty well set. You need offensive line, defensive line, defensive back and then maybe tight end. Otherwise, I think Oklahoma's at a really, really nice point with their roster uh, development, roster construction as we uh, get ready to end the portal period and get ready for winter workouts. Josh, the 2024 signing class is looking really nice. And a lot of these guys are looking really good at the Under Armour All-American camp next We'll talk about who are some guys that could potentially make an impact in 2024 from that 2024 signing class here on Locked On Sooners, your team every day. The 2024 signing class, another top 10 class for Brent Venables and the Oklahoma Sooners. They can just flat out recruit. Let's just say that Brent Venables and his staff can recruit. Got some really, really impactful, potentially impactful players. Who's a name that you think could step in and maybe not be a starter right away, but somebody that's at least a part of the rotation week one or as you head into SEC play? I think Devon Mitchell, because of the necessity at tight end, uh, I think he's going to have a chance to impact things straight away. Tatum, uh, what you hear about what he could add to the backfield, those two guys offensively. And then uh, based on some of what we've seen 
over what the last weekend with Daniel Akin Kumi and uh, the the hype coming in for Eddie Pierre Louis. I think one of those two guys, if not initially, maybe at some point again, sort of out of uh, Oklahoma being it appears in this situation to where they're undergoing a little bit of a youth movement up front. I know there's the pair of names we talked about uh, that they've brought in out of the portal, but there's still, I think, room for a young guy to step in and be a rotational player, if not a starter for uh, Oklahoma up front. Anybody defensively that uh, that jumps out for you? I mean, obviously, a couple of, couple of names up front, right? I mean, I'm ready to buy in on the idea that David Stone can come in and be part of your two deep week one. I mean, just the way that he is so physically gifted and tenacious on the interior. Now we're watching a lot of one-on-one drills. Those aren't necessarily always going to translate. And he's going against guys that are also high school kids, but man, I'm not going to sit here and doubt that the dude can be a part of that too deep and at least be somebody that can come in in situations and rush the passer for you right away. It would not shock me one bit if he comes in week one and is, if not your starting three tech, your number two, three tech off the bench, you know, Jaden Jackson, he just looks like a dude that moves differently than any other 300 pounder that you see out there. He's, he's quick, he's agile, he's nimble, and he's powerful. You, you mentioned the offensive line guys. I, I would not surprise me if either Eugene Brooks or Daniel Akinkumi or Eddie Pierre-Louis come in and are week one starters at left guard or right guard, wherever, you know, Bill Beanbone decides he he's ready to let a young guy start. Uh, you know, the, the physical gifts that you see from guys like Reggie Powers. I mean, a young kid, he's not going to turn 18 until June, but just so physically gifted. A, he's big for his age already. He's got good size already. He's going to be an early enrollee. I think you could see him making an impact as well. Uh, and then, you know, you don't rule out the really athletic dudes like Michael Boganowski and James Nesta, even if they're just like special teams players. That can be very valuable for you as well. Getting on the field as a special teamer, you can go and make a significant impact. I mean, how many times have we seen kickoff coverage not be very good because you just didn't have good enough players out there to put on special teams? Well, as you build your depth and as you build through the recruiting ranks, you're getting really good players and you're going to be able to make your special teams unit looks really good. Why is Georgia so good on special teams? Because they got four and five stars playing special teams for them every single year. That's what Oklahoma is kind of, they need to push towards is not just having good, you know, walk-ons and good, you know, three stars. It's having some of your best players that may not see a lot of playing time in, you know, base or sub packages on offense or defense, but being impactful players on special teams. That's how Robert Spears Jennings was able to make a lot of hay until he started seeing regular rotational snaps at safety. He was a big time special teams player for the Sooners. So I think there's a lot of ways that a lot of guys can make an impact. Zion, you know, going back to the offensive side, Zion Raggins or KJ Daniels, the speed, you just can't teach speed. And obviously there's a lot of speed already with Brennan Thompson and Jaquay's Petaway, but you can't have enough of it. If you can get more of these guys on the field and give them opportunities, it's going to create opportunities for you to just make things simple in your offense when you have speed like that. I mean, I think there are a lot of guys, I mean, and, and this is not even to, you know, underscore what kind of impact a guy like Nigel Smith could have or Wyatt Gilmore. 
Danny Okoye. I mean, these dudes are just really good up front. And, and I think that's why, you know, what they did in the trenches on both sides of the ball is going to be really, really impactful for them. I think some of these guys will have an impact in 2024 and play significant snaps for the Sooners. And again, it may just be in a rotational role where they're the second guy off the bench, but I think it could very well mean that you're seeing a David Stone play four or 500 snaps, or you're seeing, you know, Daniel Akinkumi become your starting guard. Uh, it would not surprise me one bit in the least. Yeah, you you mentioned a lot of the names that uh, I was thinking about that would have been uh, on my board. Which, hey, just name everybody in the the signing class, right? But I, I do uh, I do think that Boganowski and, and really Reggie Powers both sort of strike me as the 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 physical frames and makeup to be players that Brent Venables falls in love with very quickly mm -hmm. because they can do multiple things and are pretty versatile on the back end of Oklahoma's defense. So neither one of those two names would be particularly shocking to me to see them factor in in some capacity uh, rotationally pretty early. I think Okoye, because of uh, his natural pass rushing ability, is somebody that you got to keep an eye on. And then uh, the other name that you mentioned, uh, you mentioned both uh, Daniels, but uh, also Reagan's, like you said, I think the speed alone, you have to at least have that name on the radar of, okay, somebody that, that, that they've got that type of track speed. And with all due respect to Jacquez Petaway, he didn't factor in this year, John. So now is he going to make a big leap and he's ready to be that guy this season in 24? Maybe, but that also alerts me to the idea that Reagan's could step in and usurp him. Just like that, because for whatever reason, it didn't totally happen in year one for Jacquez Petaway. But uh, it's exciting. I think a number of these guys, definitely Stone and Jackson for me, I don't think there's any doubt that those two in the interior of Oklahoma's defensive line will be factors uh, in some way, shape, or form immediately in year one. And let's hope uh, a number of these guys or not, right? I know you kind of go back and forth on it. I, I tend to think let's hope these evals are right and that Oklahoma's recruited to a way to where we're talking about a number of these guys stepping in and impacting things in a meaningful way, if not a starting way for Oklahoma would be uh, would be really, really positive for this next season. But that youth movement, it's just going to continue. A lot of these names that we talked about in the 23 class, well, now it's their time to shine here in 24. Obviously, that's the case at quarterback, but at a number of different positions. So, it's uh, it's exciting to think about what OU's first year in the SEC is going to look like with now what I think we can officially coin Brent Venable's roster. The, okay, it's not Brent. He doesn't have his guys yet. That's gone. That's here now in year three. It is in year three, and yet potentially his the most important recruiting class of his tenure are going to be true freshmen. So... I will say there are a lot of guys that I think could make an impact, but I also want to temper some some expectations. PJ Adebowari, he only played 184 snaps for the Sooners in 13 games this year. Now he's he's a he's a different kind of a prospect. He's very athletic, very lanky. You know, still kind of working into his frame. Not maybe not quite ready to be a significant part of the rotation this past season. So that could be about the snap count you see for a guy like Danny Okoye or for any of those guys on the defensive line. It's tough. It's a tough transition to make. But I do think that this, this class just has a different attitude to it. 
you know, they're not coming to just sit on the sidelines. They're coming to go in and make an impact. And that's top to bottom. I think all those guys want to come in and, and earn their stripes year one and be impactful members of the Oklahoma Sooners roster. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts for free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk about what Brent Venables might have meant by getting all the juice squeezed out of the roster for 2023 on our next episode of Locked On Sooners. But until next time, Boomer Sooner.